Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. We're welcoming a new second sponsor, Fourth Dimension Technologies. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us, 4D. So glad to have you. And I'm glad you're with me. I'd be thrown into blephora denitis if you swelled me up with the idea that you missed this week's show. The other Tony Martinetti. Am I encroaching on him or is he encroaching on me? I think we can find peaceful coexistence. The other Tony Martinetti is the individual and team coach at Inspired Purpose Coaching and author of the book, Climbing the Right Mountain. We're going to have some fun today. On Tony's Take Two, Managing Those Who Fear Fundraising. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by welcoming Fourth Dimension Technologies, IT Infra in a Box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits, Tony.ma slash 4D, just like 3D, but they go deeper. What a pleasure. What great fun. What, you know, it's just amazing to welcome Tony Martinetti. This Tony Martinetti is the trusted advisor, coach, experience creator, author, podcast host, and speaker. He's chief inspiration officer of Inspired Purpose Coaching and author of the book, Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life. His company is at inspiredpurposecoach.com, and he's at Tony Martinetti One. Tony Martinetti, welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. <laughs> I am so thrilled to be here, Tony. It's, uh, it's truly amazing that we've finally made this happen. Um, and this conversation is uh, long overdue. Indeed. Uh, I think I dropped the ball for a while. I had your book and then I didn't get back to you to tell you that I got the book. And <laughs> I feel bad about that, but we're, we're here. You're here. Um, I, you know, I, I felt bad when I was introducing you. You, you have to be at Tony Martinetti one. I feel yeah, bad about that. <laughs> I feel, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I grabbed Tony Martinetti. Where were you? Where were you six or eight? Yeah. I don't know when I started on Twitter. Where you been? Where were you? Yeah, just a little bit slow to the uh, uptake and you had to get yeah. there first. It's all good. Um, if it wasn't for you, uh, you know, if you weren't such a good guy, I wouldn't, I would be more upset, but you know, we can coexist and I'm thrilled to, uh, to share the name with you. We certainly can. Oh, you're sharing your name with me. Oh, I see. Yes. How it is. Oh, I see. I see how it is. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> now you first came uh, into my awareness, my on my radar, because folks were confusing us. Uh, like they would post on LinkedIn, thanks to at Tony Martinetti for having me on on the podcast. And the first time I ignored it, I figured, and then it kept happening. So yeah. you have a lot of guests who are grateful. And then I I realized okay, there. Then I then somebody said the uh, you know. The fireside. I'm sorry. No, the virtual fireside uh, uh, podcast. And I said, "All right, there's a, there's another guy out there who uh, who has stolen my name." So I uh, I had to reach out. Of course, of course. Exactly. 
So yeah. you're you're in the you're in the Boston area. Are you in Boston proper or the area? Just in the suburbs, so just south of the city. But uh, I spent uh, most of my time in Boston and Cambridge area, working in a number of different companies there. And neither one of us is related to the Martinetti liquor empire in the Boston area, or the Anthony Martinetti of Prince Spaghetti fame. Yep, no royalties coming my way. No, no, I- I'm uh, chronically unconnected. Mm-hmm. Um. The now the 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 Prince Spaghetti is dating probably both of us uh, a, a bit. You'd have to be you probably have to be over forty five or fifty to remember Prince Spaghetti commercials. Of course, Wednesday was Prince Spaghetti Day, and Prince Spaghetti. I don't think they make it anymore. At least I don't see it. I don't see it on the shelves. Yeah. Tony brought them down, but Tony was the spokesman. He was uh, the the mother would be yelling out her uh, Boston window, Anthony. Anthony Martinetti. And he would come running down little Tony in fourth or fifth or sixth grade would come running down the streets of Boston. That was, that's what I'm referring to or we're referring to when we talk about Prince Spaghetti. Yeah. In the classic North end of uh, Boston. Yes, that's right. The North end of Boston. And then he, he would run up the steps to his mom's apartment and she'd be in her house dress. The pasta pot is boiling and I think he came in with a bouquet of flowers or something too to make up for being late for supper or something. I don't. Uh, I think so. It's good to meet you, Tony Martinetti. Yeah, same here. It's a little surreal. So, it's interesting. Um, it is. So tell us about your tell us about your coaching before we we're going to talk some about your book. But tell us yeah. about uh, Inspired Purpose Coaching, please. Yeah, I mean, so the first of all, the coaching I do is something that I'm. It's really my calling. It's what I was called to do even though it took me a long time to get here. Um, the, the work I do is work with accomplished leaders and entrepreneurs um, in all different types of industries who are feeling like there's something missing. Um, they're feeling like they're stuck and they want to find that connection to their inspired purpose. Uh, they want to lead with purpose and they want to find fulfillment in life and in work. And these uh, many industries include nonprofits. Do you have, uh, have you coached or are you coaching folks in nonprofits? Yeah. Nonprofits, um, you know, across many different tech organizations, but from nonprofits for sure. Um, I recently just got back from doing a training with a nonprofit organization out in Ohio. Um, and it was really powerful to help them through their challenges. All right. Excellent. So, so the, uh, the book, uh, the book has universal appeal, but certainly, you know, the book is kind of, it's personal and professional. I, I see it as more personal. I kind of see it like 70-30. I don't know if that, do you think, am I, am I being unfair to your book? Like I see it largely personal, but then it certainly has professional implications and, and ideas too. I don't know. Am I, am I mischaracterizing? Yeah. You can tell me, you can tell me if I'm messed up. I'll be honest with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's you know more that 70-30 because you know the reality is you can't separate the the person from the the leader and the organization. And I think there's most of it has to do with how you're showing up to life, not just how you're showing up to work. And definitely you want to make sure that we, you know, have that element of how are you showing up to work because it's a big part of what we spend our time doing. We want to make sure that people think about what do I want to do for the work that I'm doing? How am I leading my people? If I'm leading people, um, there's a lot of elements I tap into there. Um, 
I think one of the big messages that I try to to come across in the book is that it's really about defining success on your own terms um, and that it's never too late to to change the path you're on. Yes, success in your own terms. Yeah. Not the culture's terms, not society's terms, not your profession's terms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think it's a great message because when you think about, like, even as we think about nonprofit versus profit, for-profit organizations, oftentimes people think like, well, I didn't want to work for a nonprofit. You know, that means that I'm not going to make any money um, or I'm not going to have an impact. Well, the reality is that it all depends on how you look at your role and it looks at how you craft your um, position. You know, you can do well and make enough money to live a good life. Um, it doesn't have to be an either or, um, you can do well and make a good living. Um, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you make the point, we'll, we'll get a chance to flesh it out, but, uh, you make the point that, uh, happiness doesn't follow from success. Yeah. Success flows from happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So choosing that path of like really wanting, you know, what is it that makes you happy too? you know, really understanding, you know, what's going to bring life to your life um, is important. Yeah. I had plenty of time to read the book because I sat on it for a long time before, before I remember to tell you that I got it. So I've had, I've had plenty of time to go through it. Um, all right. So you use this very interesting, um, I think, clever metaphor of mountain climbing. Yeah. And it's in the title of the book. Uh, Explain. Explain. Yeah. Well, um, I do enjoy climbing mountains. In fact, um, uh, this summer I'm going to be climbing um, Mount Kilimanjaro in uh, Tanzania. Oh, my. Yes. You uh, you should be preparing for that right now, shouldn't you? I am. I am. I'm doing the preparations, uh, you know, getting out hiking a lot and doing a lot of um, just aerobic exercise because it just want to get, you know, used to the oxygen, um, at those different levels. So how do you, yeah. How do you train for the oxygen deprivation at, at, at however many tens, I don't know how high is Kilimanjaro? 19,000 feet. 19,000 feet. How do you train for that part? Um, so you just have to uh, continue to get out and do more hikes. I mean, if I could get in, I'm not going to get out to 19,000 feet anywhere here locally. So I'm just doing a lot of different mountain climbs locally and what I'm trying to do is just get used to getting up to, to elevation um, more and more instead of staying at the consistent elevation all the time. So okay. just, you know, getting used to it is all it takes. Do you have to travel to, do you have to travel to some mountains to, to prepare for higher elevations? So uh, the last mountain I traveled to was um, I went to Peru during the pandemic. Um, actually, while I was finishing up my book, um, which I'll get into in a moment, um, I went to Machu Picchu in, um, in Peru, and that was the whole area of Cusco is actually at a pretty high altitude. I can't remember the exact al- altitude of where you're at above sea, sea level there, but it's um, you constantly have to be ready to have oxygen on your on hand in case you need it. But it's just really about slowing down and breathing more intentionally. And um, okay. that's part of the process is just getting used to that breathing slowly um, and slowing down. Every step you take is intentional. So, My goodness. When are you going to uh, Tanzania? In August. So, Damn. Yeah, it's right around the corner. 
good wishes. Good. I'm not going to say good luck. You don't really need luck, but you know, good wishes in your training and everything. I hope you stay healthy. Yeah. Whew, what a feat. Yeah, all it's right. going to be amazing. I'll keep you posted as to you know how it all turns out. But I'm okay. I'm good okay. About it. And you have a you have a guide, who, uh, of course, yeah, and you go with a team. Yeah, yeah. You never climb alone. Team. You make the point in the book. Yeah, that's part of your metaphor. It's never, you're never climbing alone. Yes, it's exactly it. And I think you know. So just to come back to this idea of climbing, you know, I I've always enjoyed climbing. And one of the things that's interesting is that there's been some climbs that I've taken that are not so successful. When you just go in without preparation, without having the right people alongside you and without having a map. Um, I've literally done that when I was a teenager, but then you have these other climbs where it's more successful, where you have that preparation, you're partnered with the right people. And you see this, this idea of like really knowing what you're getting yourself into without really having everything all mapped out in terms of like specifics. Um, but the preparation is key. So the whole idea about the book is climbing the right mountain is about really being on this journey to, you know, see the mountain as your career and the path you're on. And when you get to the top, are you going to be satisfied with what you've created for yourself? And oftentimes, you know, I've talked to a lot of different leaders and myself included, um, gotten to the top of their mountain based on what they thought that they wanted and they realized it wasn't what they wanted uh, the view is not what they expected and they've had to sacrifice a lot of things to get there you know their health their well-being their time with family friends um, and it's unfortunate because you know when you have that that singular focus of like this is what I need to do to get to the top and then you get there and you feel like let down um, you want to have a, a sense of what can I do now? <laughs> and so um, the book is really there for us to be able to think a different way. And if you're still on the path and thinking to yourself like, oh, gosh, am I on the right path at all? There's some thoughts around how can you stop, pause and take another look and say, what's what else is possible? Am I really climbing on the right path for me right now? And sometimes it's not about leaving your, your career. It's not about, hey, you know, I should be leaving my job and go somewhere else. Sometimes it's just looking at your job from a different lens, just changing perspective a little bit. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. They do content creation and content management. Let's focus on the management part. Your blog, is it out of date? Have you got a resource page, whether it's your content or the content of others that you're sharing? And is that thing, that resource page is out of date? You've got resources from like 2018, 2019, even 2020. It's two years old. You've probably got more current content. Let's get it up on the resource page. Let's get it up on the blog. Turn2 can help you not only with the content creation, creating all these um, communications, all these messages, uh, but with the management also and keep that management current. You don't want a blog that's even six months old, right? Um, where the most recent stuff is six months old. No, you don't want that. Turn2 can help you. Turn2 communications, turn-2.co. Now back to the other Tony Martinetti. Although for you, it was a major and sudden job career change. Yes. You know, what, what did that, what did that before, you, you know, you're welcome to tell the story of, you know, the incident. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to big, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but what, what was it feeling like for you hmm. that you objectively, I guess, to outsiders had succeeded, but you still held, had this feeling of, of, of longing and, and, and emptiness? Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly, you know, I love the way you put it there because that's exactly how it felt. You know, I had, I had had outward success. People saw me as someone who was really doing well. I was working as a finance and strategy professional in the biotech industry. Um, I had done a lot of successful things on the outside, but there was a sense of something missing. There was an emptiness inside. And I know I'm not alone in this feeling. There's a lot of people who feel this way in their navigation through their own path. But I got to this place where I was sitting in a boardroom and feeling like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was looking around the room and seeing a lot of people checked out, you know, looking at their cell phones and just listening to these leaders who are toxic in nature. They were more concerned about their own image and how they were showing up. And as I was looking around, I had this feeling that I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to be here anymore and collect a paycheck and just show up um, that there's got to be a different way for leaders to inspire others and to change the way that they're showing up in the room. And so I decided to, to leave the room um, to walk out and yeah, you just I said got up to and myself, out, right? Yeah. And I just, I said at that point that um, I'm going to leave the room to change the room in some way. Don't know how, I just know that it's not this. And um, that's what really was the, the, the point that really flipped for me and created um, the path that I've been on over the past four and a half years. Um, and, you know, when I talk to people about this, sometimes they're like, well, is that the path that I should be taking? I'm like, no, it's, it's not. It was for me because that's what I had to go through to get to where I wanted to go. But ultimately, I, if you can to do small experiments along the way, or kind of maybe take small bets and not leave, uh, you know, your day job, if you will, then that's always better. But if this is what it takes for you to actually make that movement, then do that. This is a good, it's a good path. If, if it's the only thing that's going to get you in motion. <laughs> I like that idea that you have to leave the room to change the room. Yeah. I, I've never heard that before. Maybe that's common, uh, but you, you do. You, you, yeah. it, it changes the room and it changes your, then it changes the room you're going to be in next. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also was a, was a big uh, moment of being so fear, so, so much fear, so much uncertainty for me. I didn't know what I was doing at that point because I knew wholeheartedly that there was something coming up for me. But I then had to kick off this process of understanding, well, who am I really to be doing this? Like, like the imposter syndrome that I had to go through to really mm. experience this, like building a business around this. Am I going to do this on my own? Is this going to be, you know, coaching is what I ended up getting into, but I had to like figure out, well, how's anyone going to want to buy coaching for me if I don't have a track record of being a coach? So there's a lot of that that comes into place. Um, but slowly but surely, I built the confidence one conversation at a time. And also by getting to know who I was, um, by exploring myself. As I say, oftentimes my tagline is inspiration through honest conversation. And those 
conversations are not always with other people. They start with yourself, really understanding who am I? What makes me unique? Who, you know, what is it that I am wired to do? Um, and that starts by getting really quiet and listening to yourself. Answer those questions. And what? And to answer those questions, the answer, important ones. Yeah, essentially helping yourself before you can help others. Yeah, exactly. Uh, coaching yourself before you can coach others. Uh, finding, yeah, finding yourself before you can help others find, you know, their their right path. Um, yeah. You talk, you talk some about, uh, and this is related, self-leadership. Yes. Well, what's this, what's this idea of self-leadership? Oh, by the way, wait, I wanted to ask you first. Uh, yeah. Did anybody yell at you when you walked out of the boardroom? Did they <laughs> yell, Martinetti, Martinetti, get back here or don't ever come back? Or was anything dramatic like that? Or No, it's ironic that it, never, it didn't. Uh, it was more like looks around the room a little bit like, what is he doing? Uh, it's not like I made it some ma- massive thing. And after yeah. when I um, when I did leave, I came back and I basically said to them, I said, look, you know, I made the decision that I'm, I'm done and this is what I'm doing. Um, and they said, okay you know, it is what it is. You know, they just kind of accepted it. What yeah. are those, what else are they going to do? All right. right. Um, but the, uh, you know, jokingly, I would say the the person who was yelling at me most of all was probably my, my brothers and sisters and <laughs> <laughs> thinking like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. right. I think that brings up a good point, which is to say um, the cost of your new life is your old life. You have to, um, to kind of shed the old beliefs that you have, the old thinkings of who people think you are and you move into this new place. And what that means is you have to sometimes, you know, realize that you're the only one who's going to truly know who you are becoming. There's going to be a lot of people who don't understand what you're going through. Um, And that's okay. They'll eventually come along. They'll figure it out, but you have to be okay with being in that raw state. The we often call liminal space that is between the known and the unknown. Um, And you become the person who's more expert at who you're becoming because you're going through it yourself. It's, it's vulnerability too. You have to be willing to be vulnerable to family, colleagues who, you know, who you're departing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, you, you said, I have a little bugaboo about uh, it is what it is. And I think in this case, you're being modest because uh, it is what you made it. Yeah. You know, as I don't know if it was your conversation with a boss or, you know, whatever, but it, it's not just, it didn't just happen. Mm. You know, like the weather, it is what it is. We, we can't control yeah. that. But 99% of the time, I think people use, it is what it is. Either they're like, in your case, you're being modest. I think you, mm-hmm. you caused that, you caused that to happen. You, yes. you made a conscious choice in the moment, left the room and, and followed through on it. So you, you, you caused the change. Um, yeah. And a lot of times I think uh, aside from modesty, it absolves people of responsibility. You know, it is what it is. Well, no, actually it is what you made it or yeah. what we together made it. Maybe there's a shared responsibility, accountability, but I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I've, I've, I've said it a million times. It is what it is, but I, just like in the past few months or so, I've I've been drilling down on that because it's so common, mm. and very little is what is what it is. The vast majority of times, it's what someone has made it. It might be yeah. some industry, it might be some political party, it might be some person, it might be some group of persons. 
It might be you. It might be me. It might be us together. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, absolves accountability. So, yeah. So, you're a coach, you know, you're a thinker. You're a thinker. So I, I, I want to share my, my thought. Maybe you'll think about what I think about. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I not. love what you said. And I think it's what's so cool about it is that it's like, it is what it is, has to be, um, you know, preceded, followed by, um, by, and what now? And what now? So if you say that, okay, it is what it is. Well, okay, but there's got to be some action that follows it, that makes it meaningful, makes it meaningful that you're going to take some action that's going to like say, okay, if that's what the existing paradigm is, and you're willing to shift out of it, that's what means that you did something about it to actually make a difference, um, to shift out of what it, what it is, what it is, which oftentimes we we're stuck in these environments that have become, you know, self perpetuating, if you will. Um, and then what you do is you step out and say, Nope, not me. I'm not going to stay in this environment any longer. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to move out of that environment and I'm going to create something different, but it's about taking action. And that action then has follow on action. And before you know what you're doing, something different, even if that action is not perfect, gosh, like that, you know, the first step you take could be the wrong step. But the fact that you're taking a step is um, it's a sign that you're, that you're ready for something different. You're ready to make a move into a direction that is not the one that you're in right now. And then you are taking responsibility. Yes. So you're, you're, you are sort of flipping that. And you're, you're saying without you know, saying it, you're conscious of, you know, it is what I've made it. Yeah. yeah. My life is what I've made it. My career, whatever, you know, whatever macro or micro um, aspect, you know, you may be focusing on of your, uh, within your existence, yeah. you're taking responsibility for it. It is what I've made it. Mm. And now, as you're saying, now I can take an action. Yeah. I can take a tiny action. I can take a big action, walk out of the room. I can take a small action, start investigating, start talking to other people in other careers, you know, whatever, whatever it is. You're, you're, you're taking responsibility. So that's my little, that's my tirade on uh, it is what it is. You know, I want folks to take responsibility or, or give responsibility or, or, or responsibility or blame or credit. Wherever it's due, whatever it is, yeah. if it's yourself, it's a team, it's someone else, you know, very little is, it is what it is. Like I said, yeah. like the weather. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to take it a step further because I, you know, as we often say, the words we use, you know, really um, creates our world. And the word that comes to mind for me now, especially when it comes to self-leadership is that it's taking ownership. Um, ownership of your path. And if you continue to accept it is what it is, then what's happened is you're stuck in this, like this path of like, whatever, you know, comes to me, I'm just going to accept it and live within it, live, live within the existing paradigm. But if I take ownership of my path, take ownership of my life, lead myself, then what happens is I can own the decisions, good or bad, Whatever happens next, I could fail, I could win. Um, and either way, I can be proud that I took ownership of whatever happens next. And that's what leadership is about. Self-leadership especially is about is really saying that I choose to take ownership of the path forward. 
as opposed to just accept what is. So that's one of your, uh, one of your guideposts, yeah. you know, there you have, uh, you have eight guideposts in the book and we're not going to have time to get to all of them. So yeah. you know, folks are just gonna have to buy the book. You got to buy the book. That's the way, that's the way to get the full content. You know, we, we, we can, we can, uh, we can tease you with, with ideas here, but you know, one of your guideposts is connect with the leader within. Yes. That's the self-leadership we just talked about. Yes. Um, another one is check your surroundings. Hmm. those around you, the the influences around you talk about that. Check your, check your surroundings. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important to think about that. Like oftentimes, you know, you think that, um, you know, the environment that you're in is um, it is, you know, that you just show up and the people around you are going to support you or they're going to, you know, bring you to where you are. What the surroundings we have, they create this, uh, container for um, either supporting us or defeating us. And so what we need to make sure we're very careful about is surrounding us with the type of people who are going to help us to thrive, not just survive. Um, you know, I, in the book, there's a, there's a conversation about how like, you know, in India and in Delhi, um, there's this idea that like, you know, there's a lot of pollution. There's no doubt about it. There's a ton of pollution and the people of Delhi have really come to this place where they've just been able to adapt into living in the world of their bodies have adapted to the pollution. Um, but the, the reason why they've done that is because they have no other choice but to adapt because it's what their environment is. But when you make a conscious choice to say like, well, I don't want to be in that environment. If I take myself out of the environment, I don't want to adapt to a toxic environment. I want to adapt to an environment. In fact, maybe even shape the environment so that I'm in a place where I'm surrounded by people who help me to become something better than who I am. So that surrounding is important. If you surround yourself with people who support you, who allow you to be free to speak your mind, then you're going to really take yourself to the next level as opposed to holding yourself back. Spend time with people who bring you up. Exactly. Uplift you, not, you know, toxic personalities, negative personalities, you know, that, that really, that really can hurt. It it impacts, even though you're, you know, you, you, you may even recognize it as toxic, but it's still, you know, I don't know. know, To me, I would say like, it tears you down. It brings you down. It, 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 it can hurt you. Absolutely. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. Sometimes we yeah, don't recognize sometimes it. You don't. Right. We become so immune to it that like, because we've built these, um, these immunities to seeing what it is that we're living in. It's like the fish in water, right? We don't know we're in water. We're just in it. Um, so it takes someone else to tell you, Hey, do you realize what you're living in right now? Do you realize the environment um, that you're in is not supporting who you really want to be? And that's why a coach or mentor or somebody who can, can look at your situation and help you to see, you know, how it's not currently serving you and how it could be different. Uh, I, I should have asked you to explain the, the, the purpose behind the guideposts before I started. It's all good. Before we started talking about the guideposts. You're stuck with a lackluster host, Tom. You know, there's, there's no way, there's no way around it. So I, you know, I apologize for that. Um, no, no. I mean, you could take over. It is Tony Martinetti nonprofit radio. So you, you're, you're, you, 
you're you're not the aptly named host, but you know you 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 could be you could be you have the potential to be Very the true. aptly named host of all right. So the guideposts. What's the whole what's the whole point behind uh, the the eight guideposts that you, you spend a lot of time talking about in the book? Yeah, I mean the guideposts are there are to really kind of set your path to getting to where you want to go to create a journey to you know connect with what you want to accomplish in your life to be on a, a journey that will connect you to the type of, you know, fulfillment that you're looking for. Um, I mean, you know, the, what I think is most important is to just the pause, the initial, you know, let's step back and look at what's possible. And as you get to those different posts, they build on each other. You know, as you said, there's this, you know, connecting with self-leadership and, you know, seeing that, you know, whether or not the environment is right for you, but also thinking about legacy, which I think is so important. You know, when you start to think about like, what do I want my legacy to be? Who do I want to be remembered for? Um, And that's important. I think it's important to think about those things because sometimes we just get our heads so down and we just focus and we just need to step away from it and say, what else is important here? What else do I want? for my life and what do I want people to know about me um, in the end. And this is all to help folks climb the right mountain. Exactly. For them, for them. Yes. Yes. For them. So key. It's time for a break. Fourth dimension technologies. Join me in welcoming 4D. Their IT solution is IT infra in a box. It's budget-friendly and holistic. You pick what you need and leave the rest behind. IT assessment, multi-factor authentication, other security, cost analysis, help desk, and more. Choose what's right for your IT situation and for your budget. Fourth Dimension Technologies, tony.ma slash 4D. Just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. It's time for Tony's take two. Managing those who fear fundraising. We're probably talking about board members or potentially other volunteers. You could have other volunteer leaders conceivably uh, helping you with your fundraising. We're, we're, I'm, I'm not talking about professional fundraisers. You know, if you hired a professional fundraiser who fears fundraising, <laughs> you made a big mistake. Cut bait. It's time to let that person go or find another job for them. The, uh, the, <laughs> the professional fundraiser who hates fundraising, fears fundraising. But, uh, uh, so that's, that we're putting that aside. It's probably not a professional. So the volunteers who fear fundraising. My first advice is help them in their fundraising endeavors, in their soliciting. Help them with uh, training, certainly staff support, role-playing, assuring them that they don't have to solicit alone, that there'll always be either a staff member or another volunteer with them, so they'll never be alone doing it. Help them see that they wouldn't be in this, you know, all by themselves. But if they're still resistant to soliciting, okay, then we're going to take them off solicitation and find something else fundraising related for them to do. Like thanking folks. If it's board members we're talking about, 
What donor would not love to get a handwritten note or a phone call from a board member? Purely a thank you. No more, no, nothing more than that. Just a thank you. Why do you love our work? Those are such easy conversations. So thanking uh, could be hosting, hosting an event, small event, perhaps in their home, maybe uh, some other venue that they, maybe their office, club, whatever. Hosting a small event for you, introducing you to folks, bringing their networks to your organization. So there's three other ways that those who fear fundraising because they think it's, it's soliciting can be brought into the, into the fold more comfortably, showing them that there are things that are not soliciting, but that are still valuable around fundraising. And then the third, if they're not willing to do either one or two, then you got to move past these folks. They cannot be obstacles to those who don't fear fundraising, who are embracing it, who recognize how important a role it is for them as, as key volunteers. So you got to get past these folks. They, we, we can't have them as obstacles to other people. So those are my, uh, my ideas around helping those who fear fundraising, helping you manage those folks. That is Tony's take two. We've got Buku, but loads more time for the other Tony Martinetti with Tony Martinetti. I love that name. Yeah, the other other guideposts I want to talk about: be be ready to adapt. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of I think I already kind of talked a little bit about this, but there's this idea that like you know we have to be able to think differently about how you know each thing that comes at us. Like every time we are moving to a new job or a new place, we're constantly being faced by change. Mm-hmm. So we need to be ready to adapt to whatever's on the horizon. So that I the idea that, you know, we need to have that skill set built into us around, you know, what else is possible for me? What else do I need to build into my path that allows me to be able to adapt to that change? You know, I talked about that, um, being able to adapt to a toxic environment or being yeah. able to adapt to a positive environment that still applies here when you can adapt in a more positive way can make a big difference as to how you navigate. And, and how does that impact uh, leadership then? If, if you are, if you are leading others. Yeah. I mean, when you're leading others and you're able to show them, you're modeling the way you're helping them to see that how they can adapt is is really how you're showing them, hey, things didn't go according to plan. Let's pivot in a different way. Let's move in a different direction. Let's, you know, figure out what we need to be able to change, you know, this particular initiative to something else. Like during the pandemic, there's been so much adaptation that businesses have had to take and leaders have had to take because, well, we weren't all ready for, you know, leading in a virtual space. Yeah from the get-go. So we had to get ready for a lot of different changes. How are we going to communicate? How are we going to connect with each other? How are we going to just get the business to continue to operate? So there's been a lot of that, you know, how do we become more adaptable as humans? I think a lot of that goes to vulnerability too. You know, being willing to, you know, as you said, you know, pivot, try something different, 
Um, you know, whether it's the pandemic or it's just, you know, I don't know, some event or some fundraising campaign, you know, keeping for our listeners in the nonprofit space, um, being willing to be vulnerable. I, I think vulnerability is, yeah. is, is so valuable for, for a leader. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it really is. It's something that nowadays um, we've come a long way from, from what was um, the way leaders were that stoic. Yeah. Sort of the Jack just, Welch general motors type or exactly. general electric, pardon me, GE. Yeah. Yeah. Right. G-E. I'm the leader. Follow me. Uh, you know, the omniscient, uh, uh, omnipresent, you know, grab, grab, grab my belt loop and hang on. Yeah. I mean, I think with, when it comes to the, the, you know, vulnerable, and I know it's a very often nowadays, it's very popular word to be using the vulnerable leader, but it's not just about being vulnerable. It's about being true to the people around you being, you know, transparent and real. Um, when you're showing up to the people around you and saying like, I don't always know the path forward. I don't always have to have the answers and I'm okay with being wrong. You know, there's this element that they will respect you more. It's actually like a paradox in a sense, because we're so used to having the leaders having all the answers, but when leaders are courageous enough that they can put themselves out there and say, I'm going to lead us forward with your help to move us in the right direction, even if I don't have the answers. That's scary. It's scary to think that like, you're going to just put yourself out there and, and it's like the person who goes on stage to present and they're petrified yeah. of doing it, but they do it anyways. Cause you know what they, they believe in the fact that they, that what they're doing is important and what they, what, you know, what their company's mission and what they're wanting to contribute is important. So they do it and they do it with all the fears included everything included the imposter syndrome, they do it anyways. Um, and when people see that, they resonate with that because they say, wow, now that's a leader. That's someone who's, in, despite of all his shortcomings, despite of the, the things that his or her um, shortcomings or things that are holding them back, he goes forth anyways. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, get your bearings and uh, you know, you talk about the gain versus gap thinking. Yeah, yeah, I love um, this particular one because this is one that I think I tap into a lot for myself, myself personally, which yeah. is that we we constantly are thinking about like, oh, you know, why am I not where I want to be in my life? Where why am I not where I you know where I want to be in my professional career? Um, and even when we do set a goal, there's a se- expectation that we should be like you know, maniacally focus on getting to that goal. But the reality is that's all about gap thinking. It's like the gap between where I am to where I want to be. But when we focus on the gain thinking, you can really look back and say, well, where have I come from? You know, what are the gains that I've, that I've created along this path? And how can I really use that as the fuel to move forward? It's like you appreciate the journey that has gotten you here. And then it also gets you thinking, all I need to do is continue to take those small steps and look at the small gains that will that will take to move from here to the next place to the next place to the next place. Before you know it, that gap that you would have been looking at is gone. So that change in perspective, gain versus gap, will get you thinking out of that little 
you know, the place of, of lack of scarcity and into the place of abundance. How far, how far I've come. Yeah. How far I've come versus how far I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you're connecting this back to the whole mountain analogy, which is so true. Oftentimes, you know, that's the, makes all the difference when you look and you're saying like, oh my gosh, like we got a long ways to go, then that can be really defeating. Um, but when you look back and you say, oh my gosh, look how far we've come, that that's gain. And it really makes you feel like appreciative and like almost proud of, you know, wow, all we have to do is just now we're, we're all we're three quarters away there. Got another quarter to go. You mentioned the journey and yeah. uh, you, you make the point that happiness is the journey. It's not yeah. a destination. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. I think it's so important that people are in this place of trying to enjoy even the struggles that they're on in their path of creating who they want to be. Uh, who they're, who they're destined to be. You know, there's this element of like, you know, seeing the growth as just something that is, you know, enjoyable. It's something that they can be happy about. Um, if you're constantly feeling like you're missing something, then your life's going to be full of a lot more struggle. The struggle itself becomes even harder because you're constantly feeling like you're, you're in lack mode. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you come from a place of I'm happy now, and this is who I am, I'm already the person who I want to be. All I have to do now is continue to, to do the steps to fulfill some of the the pieces that will lead me to the next thing that I'm, I'm, I'm after. It's almost like you, the, you know, to connect to (laughs) this might lose some people, but the idea that like, Everything you ever wanted is already within you. You just have to do the process of physically creating it in the world. All right, well, let's make sure we didn't lose anybody. Uh, That sounds like, I think you have a quote in the book. Uh, You quote someone to to that effect, isn't it? That everything you have is already within you or everything you want is already, everything you want is already within you. I think that's one of the quotes you have. Yeah, I have a lot of quotes. at, At the start of a chapter. Um, yeah. All right. So, so say more about it. What, what, uh, what are we, you know, what are we, what are we missing if we're not realizing happiness in our journey? Yeah. We may be thinking to ourselves that like, I could, I'm not being the person I want to be. So I'm going to use an example. So the example I often think about is a person since today's marathon Monday um, and, uh, in Boston, we have, um, the Boston, oh, today marathon. Boston marathon day. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, which is kind of a momentous considering the fact that, um, the past two years, um, there hasn't been one. Yeah. So, um, but the, the whole idea is like, if someone says that I, I want to be, I want to run a marathon, but, um, I, you know, I don't, I've never run a marathon before. So they had the sense of like, well, you know, how do I do that? And how do I become a marathoner? Well, the first thing you can do is start thinking about yourself as being a marathon runner. I am a marathon runner. So internally, you start to create your programming to say, I am the person I want to be. And when you do that, you start to think, well, what are the things that a person who's a marathon runner do? How do they act? How do they 
who do they, who are they being and how can I be that person now? So when you connect with this idea of like, of being that person now, even though you haven't still haven't run, I haven't taken a step yet since I've said that, um, what you're starting to think about yeah, is you should be out there. You're supposed to be aerobic training. Why are you not in this marathon? What's that? What Seriously. Hell? Walk the walk here. Come on. But, but the reality is it's like, you know, when someone makes a, makes a commitment like that, or says that they want to do that, the first thing they can do is start to think and act like it's already who they are. Mm. Like if you say to yourself, I want to be this person who's contributed this in this way, or a person who is kind and, um, and thoughtful and such and such. So what would a kind and thoughtful person be doing? What would they do? What would a marathoner, I mean, you just come back to the other analogy, what would a marathoner be doing? Well, they train every day. They don't eat snacks. Like they don't eat junk food on a regular basis. You know, they do certain things. They act in a certain way. If that's who I want to be, if that's who I am, then I got to be that way. Um, it's, it becomes like a programming. It's a place to come from, not a place to go to. Yes. All right. And that same thing is about, you know, if you're saying that I want to be happy, then don't say that I'll be happy when it's a place to go to. It's not a destination. It's a place to come from. So I'm happy now. All I need to do is to do the things that keep me happy, make me happy. Awesome. All right. What would you like to talk about, Tom? I, uh, it is Tony Marday, Nonprofit Radio. Uh, you you could be the aptly named host. So, you know, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I have some other stuff to ask, but what, what do you want to talk about your, your book or your practice? Well, we can talk about the practice a bit um, because I think um, one of the things that I found interesting about um, coaching with people over the past few years, especially, is this element of like really wanting to get unstuck um, especially when they're, you know, they're challenging the business and they're feeling like, ah, how do I get to that next place? How do I get that next, you know, past this hump that I'm in? Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, so one of the things that usually comes to mind, and I like sharing this model called, I call it expand your vision, narrow your focus. And um, the reason why I call it that is because oftentimes, the stuckness that we feel is because we don't, we're not seeing beyond what's right in front of us. We're just seeing the wall. And so oftentimes um, when I'm talking with people, I'm getting them to think about new possibilities. Um, what else is possible for me? And so I'll have them do is I'll have them say, I expand your vision means like just really stepping away from that wall and create some more options. Um, and, don't feel as though you can leave anything out, just like completely brainstorm, think differently, you know, mm-hmm. what's on the periphery of who you are, what you're doing, what your business is up to. Um, and even when you think about it from the nonprofit, like where are the things that like, if we've only been doing traditional things, how can we get non-traditional? What are the tr- non-traditional ideas? So just put them all out there. And when you start to explore those different options and you say, okay, well, this is the one that I really think is interesting. It has an, it's intriguing us. Then you narrow your focus. And that's the next part of this, which is to say, this is what we're going to really spend our time and effort in. And all those other things, they just kind of go away and they become not important right now. 
It's like you say no to everything else. And this becomes the primary focus of the next move forward until you've investigated it and you find whether or not it's not the path. If it is the path, then fantastic. But it's like an iterative process. You can kind of say, expand, narrow, expand, narrow, Mm. until you figure out the path that's really going to mean a lot for you as a business. This sounds like the inspired workplace, or at least it reminds me of the inspired workplace that you talk about in the book. Yeah, in a sense, yes. But there's a lot more to the inspired workplace because it's more than just getting them to think like, okay, you know, you show up and you're you know, going to create an inspired workplace, it it definitely gets new possibilities going. It gets them thinking differently. But with the inspired workplace, what I usually tap into there is I, I want to make sure people understand that that you can make failures and you can um, allow people to really feel safe in the process of doing that because, you know, constantly there's going to be people who are feeling like, can I really share that idea? Can I really get out there and do this? So like this, we have to make sure that in the process of expanding our vision and narrowing our focus, we also create that safety and trust that allows mm-hmm. people to feel as though I can do all this. Because if you don't have that foundation, it makes it really hard for people to do that. That goes back to vulnerability too. Yeah, absolutely. Willingness to be. All right. Um is your uh, is your official name like, on your birth certificate? Is it Anthony? Or yes, it is. It is. So you use Anthony like when you open a bank account or something like that. Yes, you do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Want to leave us with uh, some? I mean, you're pretty you're you're pretty inspiring overall. We've been talking almost almost uh, fifty minutes. You're. It's hard for me to say, leave us with inspiration. You've been inspiring. Um, But I don't know. You want to give it your shot. See if you can bundle all your inspiration into into a couple sentences of closing, please. Yeah, I'll get get a good closing for you. So the one thing that I often tell people is if you're feeling like you have lost the spark in your life or in your work, the best thing you can do is look for the signs of the things that are that do spark you up and do more of that. You know, when I when you look at the week ahead, if there's nothing on your calendar that you look forward to, look for put something on your calendar, at least one thing that will get you going, that will make you look forward to the week ahead. And that is a starting point. You want to make sure that you have something to look forward to. Tony Martinetti, Chief Inspiration Officer at Inspired Purpose Coaching, inspiredpurposecoach.com, and he's at Tony Martinetti One. Sorry about that, Tony. <laughs> I'm what a pleasure. Great fun. You're over it. That's good. Yeah, we don't dwell on these things. Right. Of course, you'd be the you'd be the last person to be still pissed off eight years later that you didn't get at Tony Martinetti. That would, that would defeat everything we just talked about. It would be antithetical to, to your entire being. It's the way yes. You anyway, so what a pleasure to have you, Tony. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Same here. Thank you so much. Next week, we'll get back to our 2022 NTC coverage. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. I feel bad about that, too. You can't, you can't have TonyMartinetti.com either. 
I messed this guy's life up. I messed it up. I was, I was first in the game. What can I tell you? I was, <laughs> we're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. And by Fourth Dimension Technologies, IT infra in a box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>